G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, here we are. It's uh, almost to the 99th anniversary of Anzac Day. And, of course, there's been a building of all of the... uh, uh, anticipation about not only the 99th, but of course people are looking forward to next year, the 100th anniversary since the landing at Gallipoli. And uh, I guess for you, Cole, things are going to get busy this next year because the whole nation is interested in Anzac Day. Yes, uh, sadly for me, I, I went into the lottery to <laughs> to get <laughs> to get a ballot to go to Gallipoli next year and we missed out, would you believe? But we put on the waiting list, so we just have to use our faith. Well, you never know. Someone might like to give up their place in the line. <laughs> Maybe no fool. <laughs> you never know if you never ask. Yeah. Look, your books that you've written about uh, the Australian and New Zealand Anzac spirit. Uh, you know, we mentioned four of those books, 800 Horsemen, Fighting Mackenzie, The Anzac Spirit, The Spirit of the Light Horse. And there's, there's lots of other things you've written too uh, about our Anzacs. Uh, these things have come from your perspective as a Christian minister of the gospel, that you've been able to reflect back on this heritage that we have here in Australia, and you've been able to see the formation, the foundations of Christian uh, understanding and those perspectives and those values that you can see in our fighting history. Well, um, for a start, many of the uh, young men and women, but particularly in the early days, the young men that were shipped out were believers. I mean, they weren't all just hard-drinking people that we sometimes led to believe. Many of these young men came from farms. They'd never been off a farm in their life. But every man, every trooper in the light horse was issued with a leather-bound New Testament. I have my grandfather's. And in the front, it would tell you in the flyleaf from John three sixteen how to be born again. The chaplains fighting Mackenzie, people like that that were you know, were chaplains to the light horse, talk about, you know, preaching to these young men, witnessing to these young men. Oswald Chambers, that wrote all of those books, you know, uh, talks about he preached to the light horse in Egypt. He said there were no more keen Bible students than these young light horsemen. The night before they make the charge on Beersheba and the chaplains are all around there talking about, you know, the, 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 you know, the, you know, the immensity of what's about to take place. And then they talk about unusual phenomenon, angelic beings in the skies overhead. And uh, I read that in a, in a military book, not a Christian book. And because it was corroborated by captured Japanese, uh, Japanese, German officers and things like that, they couldn't have an explanation. So they simply put it down as lack of sleep. But you can, I, I believe anyway, there is a, there's a grace of God on our nation. Second World War, Kokoda. You know, I mean, we were very close to being invaded by the Japanese. We didn't have our standing army. We just had young militia, young men that have never fired a shot in combat, go up to take on an army, never been defeated in land combat, never. Outnumber our young men 10 to 1. And yet the Anzac stopped them cold, stopped them cold. First defeat ever inflicted on the Japanese land forces was by young Australians. You know, some of the Americans think it was, you know, uh, uh, what's the... 
Guadalcanal. But that mm-hmm. Guadalcanal was after the first defeat ever inflicted on the Japanese was at a place called Milne Bay. My father fought at Milne Bay. So here, you know, you can see the hand of God. Many of those uh, officers, many of the chaplains that were with these young men talk about prayer. I showed you a photograph of a bunch of young Australians on Kokoda actually holding a prayer meeting. Many of the commanding officers, one of the George Vassy, would go into his tent at night to pray to receive the wisdom of God because he said, I've got all of these young men's lives in my hands. Um, Some of the others talk about you know, the write-ups that they had, uh, romantic, but also, uh, you know, a dedicated Christian, never missed a church service. And it's a side that's never been brought out. We we never hear those sort of things. No, and <clears throat> I sometimes do like to reflect on the Christian heritage of the nation and going right back to the first fleet arrival. And I often say so successful was the evangelization of Australia that by the 1920s, uh, almost every person uh, who uh, replied on the census uh, said that they were Christian and almost every one of them went to a local church. So the spiritual environment in Australia around the 19, uh, 1900 through those first few decades, and these are the times when we're talking about Australians primarily at war in those uh, early uh, uh, 20th century battles. This was very much a Christian-founded nation. And uh, and as you say, uh, all of this Christianity in our soldiers is something that we should expect to see. Yeah, well, particularly when I started to do the research on the book Fighting Mackenzie, Anzac Chaplin, the Salvation Army sent me a lot, a lot of information from his diaries. Now, he's a stockman from Bundaberg, uh, has a dramatic encounter with God, gets saved, you know, becomes a chaplain, uh, he's in his mid-40s when the Light Horse ship out, 1914. He ships out mid-40s, served four years in the front line, four years. You imagine what that would have been like. But he talks about, you know, his faith, writes home about his faith, you know, spends time in the trenches with these young men. L- let me let me read you just here to get some sort of perspective. It says here, Chaplain Mack cites his miraculous escape from harm to his faith in the Lord and his guardian angel. He wrote to his wife to inform her about this angel who watched over him and on at least six occasions saved his life. He writes home to say, I'm coming home, he says to his wife. I'm coming home. I know I'm coming home because I've learned to hear that voice. He said on six separate occasions, I hear a voice tell me, get up or go or sit down or whatever. He says, I obeyed that voice and everyone was killed in those trenches, but I survived. He talks about, you know, the hand of God on his life. I, I love it, you know, the, the charge on Lone Pine on Gallipoli. Mackenzie was in the frontline trenches there. And the first two, three waves gone over, been shot down. These young men know they're going to die. Mackenzie's in the frontline trenches with them having a prayer, you know, praying for them. The commanding officer comes up and says, Chaplain, you're not supposed to be here. Get out. You know, Mackenzie, six foot five, stands up and he says, Sir, I'm not a rebellious person, but sometimes you've got to answer to a higher authority and you're not it. I'd follow a man like that. And then he turns to the young men and he says, you know, I've lived with you, I've eaten with you, I've prayed with you, I'm not afraid to die with you. And when the whistle blows and you go over the top, I'll be right alongside of you. Will you imagine what that would mean to a 16-year-old boy that's never been off a farm in his life? The whistle blows, they go over, 700 are shot down. Mackenzie gets shot in the side, back of both hands, side of the head, but lives to survive to win the military cross. Actually, it should have been the Victoria Cross. Summoned to Buckingham Palace by King George himself. And King George, 
greets him, brushes through the generals and shakes his hand and says, Chaplain, your fame precedes you. What you've done for these young, young men far exceeds anything for these generals or officers. You're a friend, you're a mentor, a father to these young men. It's almost a little bit of an affront uh, to some very secular people today to think that a chaplain might have had the sort of adulation that Fighting Mackenzie had because when our troops returned to Australia, it was Fighting Mackenzie who was the most famous of all. He was the second most popular man in this country to Billy Hughes. 50,000 Aussie diggers turned out to welcome him home. I've got photographs at the Melbourne meetings and things, 50,000 diggers. I mean, in, in an age, what, our population was, what, probably 4 million? Uh, I'm just awesome, you know. And after that, I mean, what an amazing man. He was offered all sorts of government positions, but he went to China as a missionary. I mean, just, you know, you can just see, uh, you know, just the, the, the love of God in that man. I mean, a former... A stockman from Bundaberg. <laughs> I, I love it. When he got saved, I don't know if you know, he went to Toowoomba and they're having open air meetings, you know. And the police got the Salvation Army band and the police came up and told him to be quiet. And he said, I can't be quiet. And they said, If you don't be quiet, we'll lock you up. So he said, Well, I can't. So they locked him up. So he got the band to come and stand outside the jail and play. He kept playing until they let him out. <laughs> okay. Well, Cole Stringer is our guest today on 2020, and you can contribute to our conversation. Here's the number if you'd like to call and be a part of our conversation today. It's 1-800-880-876, 1-800-880-876. We are talking about our Anzac heritage, our military heritage. You can tell us your thoughts on war and on faith uh, on the Anzacs, uh, is it the case that there are no atheists in foxholes? Uh, are there Christian perspectives you'd like to share about today? 2020 on Vision. It's Neil with you on 2020. Our special guest this hour is Cole Stringer. We're talking about our Anzac heritage. And Cole has very generously brought in with him a number of his books. Of course, he's the author of 800 Horsemen, Fighting Mackenzie, The Anzac Spirit and the Spirit of the Light Horse. And so if you'd like to contribute to our conversation today, uh, you could consider yourself the owner of one of those books. Uh, we'll take your details when you call. Our number is one 800 That's one 800 880 uh, Cole, when we talk about uh, your books, particularly your book 800 Horsemen and Fighting Mackenzie, uh, as I understand it, voted number 12 and 29 in the Australian Broadcasting Commission's 100 all-time favourite books. That must be uh, quite, a, uh, uh, quite an honour. Uh, it was. Uh, it really upset the ABC, you better believe it. <laughs> <laughs> they, they accused me of all sorts of things, you know, but they have finally admitted that there's no way that the figures could have been, you know, uh, uh, stacked. They accused me of, somebody accused me of having my own church to vote for, I didn't even have a church, you know. But, yeah, it was amazing because I actually beat one of Harry Potter's books. Can you believe that? Wow. The only other Christian book in the first 12 was the Bible. Wow. Well, I know that uh, when I'm travelling around, oftentimes I'll be walking through a shop and uh, sometimes not even a bookshop and there's Cole Stringer books for sale. <laughs> I think Cole's everywhere. Can't get rid of him. <laughs> but look, these are uh, these are, uh, are only a few of the books that you have written over the years uh, because you are also a renowned fishing writer. Tell us used to very be. briefly used, used to be. very briefly about your fishing writing career. Oh, well, when we moved to Darwin in the 60s, uh, I moved up there to actually manage a gun shop, 
we eventually ended up owning our own gun shop and fishing tackle shop there. And uh, so I used to do the fishing column for the Northern Territory News, and I had a fishing program on NTD8, the early days of, of television before <laughs> right. the cyclone. Can you believe I'm mean, long before, you know, Rex Hunt and all those boys kissing, kissing their fish? Yep. I actually did a, a program. So then I started writing for fishing magazines, even some American fishing rag- magazines. So. And tell me about the Swedish gold medal for a world record shark capture. Yeah, we got a 12-foot hammerhead shark. What's that? Uh, three three metres <laughs> yes. on 20-pound line, which is, what, uh, eight-point-something kilos. But, yes, 20-pound um, line, I got a 12-foot hammerhead shark. It took me oh, four, four-and-a-half hours to get it in, along with my brother-in-law, whom we nearly lost, and uh, the other, my partner in fishing world up there, George Bukulis. So... Um, and uh, we just sent off the information to Abu, which are fishing tackle makers, uh, manufacturers in Sweden, and uh, they put me in their magazine and sent me a gold medal. Mm. And, of course, you travel around the world. You mentioned you'd pastored not only in the Northern Territory but also uh, over in the United States. Uh, on the international stage, you're known as Ooh. Pastor Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> That's true. <Yeah. laughs> the Americans like that. So, yes, there you go. So you wear that tag when you're visiting the U.S., is yes. that the case? I was it opens a, a few doors. I was at a church over there, and I didn't know they set me up, but they actually put an inflatable crocodile in the baptismal pool behind where I was standing to preach. So I got up to say, my name's Cole, and they pulled this lever, and up came this inflatable crocodile. So everybody's laughing, (laughs) including my wife, and I'm thinking, what are they laughing at, you know? I'm asking, what what are they? And I turn around, they pull it down. So every time I turn back, up came this inflatable crocodile. (laughs) Well, our opportunity here, uh, if you're listening into our program, uh, you might be very familiar with Cole Stringer. And of course, a lot of spots go to air here on the Vision Radio Network. But uh, we are talking about our Anzac heritage today. If you'd like to contribute to our conversation, why don't you feel free to give us a call on 1-800-880-876. That's 1-800-880-876. Also some books to give away too to the first uh, four callers on eight. Uh, on 1-800-880-876 was 800 Horsemen, Fighting Mackenzie, the Anzac Spirit, uh, the Spirit of the Light Horse. Uh, Let's take one of those uh, callers. Simon is in Mitchell in Queensland. Hello, Simon. Welcome to 2020. Yeah, g'day. How are you? Very well, Simon. What's your contribution to our conversation today? I just, um, we got uh, vision out here at Mitchell and I was uh, listening to Cole. I met him in the past and I just wanted to, to uh, tell him how much we enjoy listening to his segment on the radio. G'day, Simon. I thought that would be you, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, Cole. How are you? How, how are those whalers going? Um, I'm underneath one at the moment, surely. <laughs> Simon breeds whalers. Okay. The original horses. Right. Uh, you were going to take them to the States too, Simon. Did you ever get to do that? Yeah, I did. I took a, a cold over there and was over there for four months. It was tremendous. I actually met some lovely Christian people over there too. Well, next time you're on the Gold Coast, make sure you give us a call. Let me take you out for coffee or lunch, mate. Yeah, no, I'd love to catch up, uh, Cole, especially, uh, you know, coming up to the uh, 100-year anniversary of the Light Horse environment over there in Jerusalem. Uh, it's it, More of our young people, especially the young men in this country, need to know about what our people did. Hey, mate, you need to take a whaler over for that. Get the government to pay to take... I mean, they shot them all when they were over there, so the government can surely ship one back over for 
you know, for that yeah, 100. Mate, if they can't let you go to the end, that's what, not, I don't think I've got much <laughs> <laughs> Well, Simon, thank you so much for your contribution today on 2020. And if I was uh, telling you my connection to Mitchell, uh, I was born in Mitchell in wow. Queensland uh, wow. back in 1964. That gives you an idea of my age. Wow. But Simon young, from... <laughs> that's it. Simon, uh, great to hear from you. Thanks so much for your contribution today. Yeah, all the best. God bless you. Thank you. Look, uh, Cole, when we talk about, uh, let's uh, talk some of the big stories uh, here and uh, there'll be some more callers that we'll air in just a a short while. But uh, when we talk about those 800 horsemen, uh, you're talking about, you know, horses, uh, those horses that I guess those, uh, they were were they whalers that our horsemen were riding in those days? Uh, Give us the quick, in a nutshell, uh, uh, 800 horsemen story. Well, um, First World War, I mean, you know, the, our guys are shipped out to the Middle East. We go to Gallipoli, get a blood nose straight away. But they're shipped back to Egypt where they're re-equipped with their horses and assigned protection of the, the Suez Canal. The Brits didn't know how well we'd fight, you know, but eventually we start pushing the Ottoman Turks back into the Sinai. But in 1917 would be a strategic battle over maybe who would control the Holy Land for another 100 years. The Turks, the Muslims had controlled the Middle East plus Jerusalem for hundreds of years. I mean, if you remember the Crusades was not one, 11 Crusades were launched to try to liberate Jerusalem. For a while they got in, but they were actually crueler to the Jewish people than what the Muslims were. And so, you know, uh, they set the synagogues on fire. So Crusades, a dirty word to Jewish people. But in 1917 would be a strategic battle over maybe who would control the Holy Land. The Ottoman Turks had built a line of forts from Beersheba, Well of the Oath, to Gaza where Samson carried the city gates. They had taken care of 11 crusades, had taken care of the military genius of Napoleon. And so now all they've got to do is hold these Anzacs back in the Sinai for a few days. I mean, and it'll take care of them. It took care of the others. And so the, after, I think, three days fighting, the British army with 60,000 troops with tank support can't take Gaza. And so they, they call up General Chauvel from northern New South Wales and say, if we can't take those wells by tonight, we'll lose hundreds of men, maybe thousands of horses. Some of these horses haven't had water for 72 hours. I love Chauvel says, get off our back and give us a go. So they bring up two regiments, 4th, 12th regiments. They're going to make a charge across uh, six kilometres of open terrain. Already the the Turks outnumber them six to one in the trenches, 4,600 against 800. Behind that, German artillery, machine guns. General Chauvel said we'll probably lose every man in the first 10 minutes, but we're desperate. So they make the charge. They take the wells. They lose 32 men. For the first time in hundreds of years, the gateway to Jerusalem, like where Jesus is coming back, he's not coming back to New York, are open, not by the British Army or the American Army, but by your forefathers and my forefathers. My grandfather was a a horsebreaker for the light horse. So was Banjo Patterson. So it's part of our heritage. You know, as I say, the Bible does say, if you bless my people, I'll bless you. If you curse my people, I'll curse you. How could you bless a people more than being hugely responsible for the modern nation of Israel. In fact, let me read you one quote. This is from a military book. This is not from a Christian book here. I like what he writes here. He says, um, just give me a moment, I'll get the page. Without the involvement of the Australian Light Horse, I doubt if there would be any modern nation of Israel today. Well, of course, God would have found another way, but the point is he didn't. He used Australian, Australian and New Zealand Light Horse, Anzac Desert Mounted Corps. 
and it has forged a real relationship link uh, with the nation of Israel and Australia. Uh, let's take a, another call. Kay is from Victoria. Hello, Kay. Welcome to 2020. Hello. How are you? Very well. What's your contribution to our conversation today? Well, uh, I've loved um, Cole Stringer's book, The 800 Light Horsemen. I did have it, and also the video of the... Um, 800 light horsemen and we lend it to so many people we've lost them both and uh, yeah I'm very interested now I've got grandkids that would be interested as well so uh, I'd love any of the books thank you but I've never read the um, Mackenzie one yeah we'll keep that in mind as we're uh, we're sending those books out we'll definitely send that to you anything at all I I think it's wonderful to um, to acknowledge the, the, and honour those forefathers that were Christian. And, yes, I think it's, it stirs people up to, to stand up, yeah. Kay, let me just ask you, you said you are a grandparent. Is that what you said? Uh, yes. You're interested in your, not only your children, but you recognise there's a certain bit of wisdom that comes with the grey hair and having grandchildren that, <laughs> that actually passing, passing on some of this heritage is important to your grandchildren. Oh, absolutely. To let them see what Australia was built on, the wonderful Christian heritage that's here. Because, um, you know, some of them are missing out now. They don't attend church like they used to. And so we've just got to reach them one-on-one, gently. Okay, it's it's Cole here, Kay. Um, We're finding this year, uh, my, my wife and I and some of other folks, have put about 3,000 of the books into schools. And this year, because I guess next year's a 100-year anniversary, we've found that the schools, not only the schools, but we've actually had some universities for the first time ever have accepted our books into their libraries. Praise God. That's wonderful. And, and yeah, the kids are searching, so and they need, they need to know that of God's love and that he's there with you. He'll tell you when to go and when to stop, like you were saying a minute ago. Um, well, Kate, Mac. thank you so much for your contribution today on 2020. Great to have you listening in. Thank you. Let's take another call from Damien in Brisbane. Hello, Damien. What's Hello, your contribution? Neil, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Damien. Excellent. What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, uh, just appreciate... Uh, and hi, Cole. How are you today? G'day, Damien. It, uh, yeah, really appreciate your insight to, uh, I guess, our heritage and, and some of the roots from, uh, I guess, the birth of our nation and, uh, you know, the, the, the brave men and, and uh, women that have fought. And, and in particular, the Indigenous. Uh, you know, I can remember one segment hearing about the Light Horsemen, the content, uh, the percentage of Indigenous um, uh, Light Horsemen that served. Yes, uh, in my book on 800 Light Horsemen, more than new edition, I've got a chapter in there called Too Dark for the Light Horse. Yep. And uh, I found out, you know, something like 400 of the, uh, and particularly from the Northern Territory, in the early days, like the first days of the war, they wouldn't accept, uh, you know, Indigenous servicemen. But as the war progressed, they began to accept them. But I knew that some of the best riders, best shots were Aboriginals from the Northern Territory. So... On checking, I managed to locate something like 400, one particularly Chris Saunders from Darwin. But I got photographs of a whole bunch of the young light horse. And uh, would, you, would you believe that Kathy uh, Freeman, I've got a photo of her grandfather 
who was also one of the Allied horsemen. That's that's amazing, and I mean that's the the heritage in Australia we need to celebrate and, and stop all the disunity and, and remember that we you know that uh, everyone's contributed to this nation and uh, yeah, it's, it's some great stories there. Well, that's one thing too. Sometimes I go to speak at you know indigenous churches or areas, and that's what I like to say. Well, look, our grandfathers fought together, maybe even died together. Surely that gives us a basis to live together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, the, the sacrifice they've they've put down and uh, and the history there. Yeah. But even on Kokoda, you know, there was a, an indigenous, I just can't think of his name, uh, but I know his first name was George, but uh, used to take a, shed his uniform at night and sl- sneak off among the Japanese, you know, because I was being so dark they couldn't see him. But he was a terror. I, I was reading about him on, on uh, Kokoda quite, quite well. I think won the military cross from memory. But yeah. even there on Kokoda, there, there was indigenous men. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Damien, great to hear from you today. Thanks so much for your input on 2020. Thank you very much. And uh, keep it up, Cole. You're doing some great, great work. Thanks, Damien. Look, uh, when we talk about our Indigenous people, uh, there is something that we have in common, uh, which has to be a contributing foundation and some grounds for uh, the continuing reconciliation, Cole, because yeah. uh, we did serve together on the front lines. That's right. Well, I, I was at a, but not mention what area, but I was at a, a, a an indigenous church, and you know I could see some of the young fellows would had a bit of a chip on their shoulder. <laughs> what do you want, Whitey? You know, and uh, so I started sharing, and I said, well, "How many of you know anything about the light horse? Well, not much, and the liberation of Jerusalem from four hundred years of Muslim rule, not much." I started sharing. I said, "Do you know of the forty five thousand? There were four hundred indigenous light horsemen," and I said, "And of the four hundred, two of them came from your town right here." I know more of your heritage than you do yourself. After that, they were all over me like a measle rat, <laughs> grabbing me, brother, brother. You know, you know how so, to make friends. Well, it, it does. It's something. That's what I find with the young people. They're interested. Like, I'll go to a school. I've been to some schools. I mean, I've seen better rugby fights than that. But the, I'll show a clip from the light horse to charge on Birashir, but you could hear a pin drop. You know, and some of the teachers say, I don't understand it. Well, I say, well, it's part of their heritage. It's part of these kids' heritage. You know, they, they've heard their great-grandfather or somebody somewhere back there was, in, was part of that. And it's an interest. We don't want to be told all the time we're all just dropkicks, ex-convicts or, you know, Ned Kelly. There is a positive side to it as well. It's Neil with you on this Wednesday edition of 2020. We are reflecting on our Anzac heritage and also on issues of faith. Uh, you're invited to be a part of our conversation today. You can call. Our talkback lines are open, 1-800-880-876. Cole Stringer, author and preacher, is our guest. He's the author of a whole bunch of books all about our heritage when it comes to issues like the 800 Horsemen and uh, personalities like Fighting Mackenzie. Uh, his latest book is called The Anzac Spirit. And, of course, uh, also The Spirit of the Light Horse is one of those books too. Where, Cole, when we talk about the spirit of the light horse and the, the spirit of the Anzacs, uh, that spirit is very much coloured by our Christian heritage, our Christian spirit. Perhaps some would say the Holy Spirit. Yes, well, as we shared before, if you go to Kokoda today to Ishurava and you see that monument to the Anzac spirit and those words, those four words simply say courage, mateship, sacrifice and endurance, all of those are biblical principles. Every, not only that, you could see every one of those principles in Jesus' life. 
the courage, the mateship, lay down his life for us, the sacrifice, the endurance. Cole, we've got some uh, telephone callers lining up to talk to you today. Uh, let's take uh, Ian from New South Wales. Hello, Ian. Welcome to 2020. Yeah, good day, Neil. Ian, what's your contribution to our discussion today? Yeah, just uh, a, a query that um, Cole and yourself might be able to help with. We only found out last year that um, uh, one of my great uncles was an Anzac um, veteran. He wasn't at the first landing. I think he arrived at Anzac uh, in, in May. Uh, sorry, at Gallipoli in May. The, the question is, was there a degree of shame for the Gallipoli veterans? Uh, and the reason I ask that question is um, when he returned from his um, overseas duties, he, he also saw action as part of the light horse in um, in Egypt, I think it was, and he had his horse shot out from under him there. <clears throat> he was badly injured. He came home and lived with my dad and the family um, and didn't live all that long after that. But Dad always told us that, you know, that uh, Uncle Joe was a World War One veteran, had his horse shot from under him badly, when wounded and passed away fairly quickly when he came home. But no mention of the Gallipoli aspect of his war record. And we only discovered it last year. I don't think my dad knew um, about Gallipoli and Uncle Joe. And there was the man living in their own home after return from the war. Was it a similar sort of situation to when some of the Vietnam veterans were treated so poorly when they returned from their campaign in Vietnam? Uh, Is there a degree of shame about it, perhaps? G'day, Ian. How are you? Cole here. Uh, I, I don't actually believe so. With the uh, the first, well, the first volunteers that shipped out with the Anzacs, so they were called the Fair Dinkums. And uh, if you volunteered after that, you weren't really considered one of the original or the fair dinkums. But I, I don't find anywhere where there was any sort of uh, shame associated at all. Mm. Um, I, I, I discovered uh, there was a, a situation like with my grandfather, he broke horses for the light horse. But when they, when they had to shoot their horses, the, the government wouldn't bring them back at all. There was only one horse came back out of something like 400,000 horses that shipped right. out. And so they were so ashamed. I know with my granddad, he didn't want anything to do with it after that. Like, they didn't have the psychological support we have now. So you either put it aside or you became an alcoholic or you dealt with it the best way you could deal with it. You know, the horrendous things that they had seen and encountered. So my, my grandfather just put it aside. And I never heard. My dad knew nothing about it. It wasn't until later, many years later, I got, actually got a family history book and I see a picture of my grandfather in a light horse uniform. So that started me, you know, digging it out and I was able to share things with my dad my dad didn't even know about okay. because they never talked about it. They just refused to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, the only other thing I could think of, and I can't ask anyone because they're all deceased now, but the only other thing I can think of was um, Niddy's experiences there you know, wound him so emotionally that he didn't ever really want to talk about it again. Yeah, I, I think that's. That w I think you find that that would be the case. But what you can do, if you go onto the Canberra War Memorial site and type your your relative's name in and anything else you know, you can get the whole service record. I got pages and pages of service records where they fought, wounds, medals. You'll find even some of the medals were never even picked up, were never even taken. So it might cost you $10, $15, but you can actually find out their whole service records. It's on, it's on, you know, you can access it by computer. 
Uh, that's a good hint for everyone who's listening, Cole. Thank you for that, mate. Ian, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. Let's continue to take some more calls here. Uh, Cole, Marie is in Tasmania. Hello, Marie. Welcome to 2020. Yes. Um, hello, Neil and Cole. Hello, Marie. You're overseas, are you? Uh, look, I just <laughs> want to uh, reflect back uh, on the chaplains um, and, and just praise God for them um, and honour them because my father was on the Kokoda Trail and he wasn't a Christian and he never spoke much about the war. Um, he spoke a lot about the Fuzzy Wuzzy Angels and how wonderful they were and so on. And it wasn't until um, uh, two weeks actually before he died uh, that he allowed me to talk about God. And um, that in itself was quite a miracle. Um, and he just said to me, uh, what, uh, what brand are you, he said. <laughs> and I said, I'm no brand, I'm a Christian. And, um, and then he told me the story of a padre um, on, uh, you know, in, in, in that place where he was. Um, and um, he, this padre had uh, described what hell would be like. Yes. To them. So whether it was a, a church service or whether it was a one-on-one situation, I really don't know. But the description that he gave me is very much the description I believe and I have even read about. Um, part of it, I, I, I won't repeat it actually because uh, it wouldn't be suitable for radio, <laughs> the way that he told it to me. But I just know that um, I felt... Two weeks later, he died, um, and uh, when I was prayed for after his death, within hours, um, a real peace came over me, as if God was saying, it's okay. Um, And I just have, I won't know, of course, for a long time yet, maybe, but I had a peace that maybe he made things right with God before he died. Um, it's the only opportunity that he ever gave me to speak about God and anything scripture, uh, scripture or spiritual. Um, and I just want to really honour those chaplains that were there. Uh, I, I agree with you. My, I remember my father, the same thing. He wasn't a Christian when he was in New Guinea. And he would say that they'd come out of combat and there'd be a Salvation Army chaplain there with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee he said they were right up in the front lines. He said yes. many of the officers weren't there the com- and all that. He said, but there was always a Salvation Army chaplain yes. with a kind word, a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, and never really rammed what they would say religion down. But there was always a yep. you know a comfort. They would pray with them and pray for yep. them. And yeah. uh, you know, uh, with your dad, you just have to believe that you know you, that you sowed enough seed there into his life that before he before he died that. He asked Jesus to come into his life and accepted him as Lord. You know, who knows what happens? No, that's exactly right. You don't know what happens at that right at that moment of death. And um, um, and I just uh, believe, yeah, that he did probably make peace because it was it was God's appointed time for me to be speaking to him. I know that absolutely. I prayed many many times. God, give me the opportunity to say to Dad, he used to believe when you're dead, you're dead. He said he wasn't an atheist. He hadn't put the T on the end of it. (laughs) So he was an agnostic. And he used to say, when you're dead, you're dead. And I said, Dad, and I I used to say to God, please, Lord, give me the opportunity to say to Dad, what if you are wrong? And I was able to say it that day, two weeks before he died. 
and then the conversation went on. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I just believe that, that peace still is with me. You know, it's funny you say that because I find through, you know, Anzac, the light horse, all that, it gives me immense opportunity to speak to ex-military people that would never go to church or even talk about it. I, I even had a... a uh, the Kalgoorlie RSL, would you believe, pay my airfare to fly over and speak to them in their pub, can you believe that, about the 800 horsemen. And I was able to share with them. I said, well, you may know your history, but let me tell you about your heritage. Let me tell you something about the spiritual side of that battle. And so you get this awesome opportunity, as I say, to speak to uh, military, ex-military people that would normally not, not open up to God at all. Marie, thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Bye-bye. Bye for now. We'll come back and we'll talk some more in just a short while and we'll take some more calls. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020. It's 2020. Neil with you. Our special guest this hour is Cole Stringer. We are talking about uh, all things to do with uh, Anzacs, our heritage here in Australia, uh, also the spirituality of Australia as it's connected to our military history. Cole is, of course, the author of a whole bunch of books, one of those 800 horsemen. We've been talking about uh, those 800 horsemen. We've talked about fighting Mackenzie. We've been talking about the Kokoda Trail and, of course, uh, his other book too, The Spirit of the Light Horse. We're talking about all things Anzac. Your opportunity to contribute, one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six is our number. Uh, let's continue to take some calls, Cole. Uh, we've got Mary, who is in Bathurst. Hello, Mary. Welcome to 2020. Hi, who are you? Very well. Um, I've just been listening to your, your program. I find it very interesting. My great My grandfather was a in the light horse. Um, I don't know much about like his service career and I've looked on online and we've got a, a little bit of information. All I know is like from what my mother has told me and she said like he put his age up to join um, like a lot of young ones did. Um, he was discharged after having shell shock. Um, I'm not sure exactly the date but from there um, we march every every Anzac Day. I take my kids, my grandkids, um, we all march because of the contribution, not only he, but every other digger um, gave to not only this country, but for the freedom of other countries that were being suppressed. Um, I find it an amazing thing that they've done, um, a special gift, and, and I thank them from the bottom of my heart. Um, I also, in saying that, I think that recognising the current um, military, their involvement in, in conflict from overseas, again, fighting for freedom of um, other countries that are being suppressed, um, is, is something that you can never, ever take for granted. It's something that you can never thank them enough for. And... I'm glad that my kids and you know one of my my eldest son is part of the military. I I um I take great pride in in marching alongside with them and always thank them. You know whenever we see the diggers, you know thank them for their contribution. Yeah. 
Marching is one of those ways that we can do something physical. It's like an act of faith almost, isn't it? Uh, To get out there and uh, do something physical to participate. We're actually participating in our own uh, military history and heritage, but we're also, for a lot of people, it is a spiritual thing. Cole, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's great that you take your children, your grandchildren. We we do the same. We've had our, our grandkids, and as a matter of fact, my grandson now has just joined the Army this year. So as a result, uh, they used to march every Anzac because they wanted to, not because we made them. But, you know, they'd have their, their both their grand, great-grandfather's medals and things like that. So it's just uh, – I think it's good to, for them to grow up appreciating, you know, there was a sacrifice yeah. made that many of yeah. these – and you know, I understand there's some people that think that we should be atheist, uh, should be sorry, um, um, what's the word, uh, pacifist, pacifist. Mm. And that I don't, I don't find that. And it's not glorifying war; it's giving no. honour where honour's due. These men and women right. lay down their lives that we can live, you know, in a free country and enjoy the life that we exactly. have. If it was not for these 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 people that went for our freedom, I don't know where we would be today. Um, in saying that, you know, the young ones, my my young grandchildren, and that love love to to participate. Um, they participate with an organisation. Um, my 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 son that's in the military started off as a cadet in the Air Force cadets and used to march on Anzac Day there. Um, yeah, it's just it's something that they look forward to to say thank you. Um, to every one of, of the people that and, know, contributed and, to the freedom of our country. And your family will be getting ready to remember and participate again this coming Friday. Yes. Mary in Bathurst, thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. We'll take another call. Jenny is in Portland in Victoria. Hello, Jenny. Welcome to 2020. Hi. What's Hello. your... What have you got to, to talk about, yeah, Jenny? No, I, I wanted to say that a few years ago I bought the book 800 Horsemen and I was so excited about it and I told a friend, read parts of it to her, so she went out and bought the book. And the thing that I think is so important about all this history is that our youth desperately need these um, heroic role models to, to follow behind because I think the media, it occurred to me a while ago that on the media all they're hearing all the time is that we're a bunch of mongrels because... We, we've treated the Indigenous people badly. We treat the boat people badly. And I think this sort of thing is what needs to be promoted to give them a pride in their country and in their um, forefathers. Mary, is it? Jenny. Jenny. Yes. Hello, Jenny. It's Cole here. How are you? Now, that's great. Let, let me read you. I've got a quote here that I put in my 800 horse, horseman book. It says here, They were the light horse, men whose lives and campaigns in far-off places continue to capture capture the imagination of modern Australians whenever they're told. These men mirrored a society of whose values and behaviour have long since gone, a vanished society whose manners, morals, principles and courage underpin the very foundation of modern Australia today. And as you say, I think our young people need to know that and appreciate that. Because so many have seemed to have no direction in their life for that. And as I said, the media is promoting more of the negative. That's right. And this, this is just so positive and so... It brings tears to your eyes just to see what they did, you know, how they, 
how, uh, what they went through to do it. I think that's why the ABC didn't like my book. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Because they're Probably. so negative and down on anything Australian. Uh, yes. Jenny? And the children, our children need to know we don't have a long history in Australia, like a lot of other countries, and they need to know that they have, um, you know, something to live up to. I think the, the Israelis, the Jewish people, appreciate our heritage more than we do. If you go to Beersheba today, there's a magnificent bronze statue to the light horse, you know, and they talk about, uh, one of the fellows wrote, and he said, without the involvement of the Australian light horse, I doubt if there'd be a modern nation of Israel today. So they that's appreciate it. we can be so proud of. That's you right. Know, that's what the young ones need to know, that other yes. countries appreciated it too. That's right. I believe that. Yeah. Jenny, wonderful to have you part of 2020 today. Thanks so much for being uh, for picking up the phone and making a call. Thank you. Bye. Cole, what's come up in a number of these conversations is the idea of our heritage. And uh, I know there's a review of the national education curriculum coming. And I know there's been a lot of Christians concerned that the spirituality yes. is somehow or other not making it to the fore. That's I know right. you've got some thoughts when it comes to uh, these uh, issues of our heritage, of our history and also of our spirituality. Well, I, I like Tony Abbott because he's talking about bringing back our Judeo-Christian heritage, that we're not all scumbags that just invaded the country, you know, the, and that's not, you know, making light of the errors that we've made, but there's a positive side as well. You know, Psalm 78 actually tells us to teach your children their godly heritage, not some other country's godly heritage. It talks about but teaching your children there so they may place their hope in God and not forget you know, uh, uh, the good things that God has done for our nation. I mean, we seem to, like this last lady just said, Jenny, focus on all the negative. I mean, we've got the ABC that's downing our servicemen, you know, uh, the patrol boats and things like that. Uh, But no one denies, you know, the negative side, but there's just as much a positive side that needs to be appreciated, needs to be shared. The foundation of our nation is Christianity. It's not Buddhism. It's not Islam. Uh, our legal system is based upon a thing called uh, uh, Westminster. Mag- Westminster is based on Magna Carta. Magna Carta was written by a man of God using the Bible as his reference point. A uh, flag has a cross on it, not a not a sickle or a hammer or a you know the foundation. Whether we like it or we don't like it, the foundation of our nation is Christianity. That doesn't mean everybody's a Christian or will ever be one. It means the foundation of our nation is Christianity. Well, Cole, we're running short of time. Just to mention those books of yours that there would be listeners who perhaps want to get a hold of, 800 Horsemen or your book on Fighting Mackenzie. Your latest book is The Anzac Spirit, dealing with Kokoda. And, of course, then there's The Spirit of the Light Horse, and you can get a hold of those books. Uh, you could visit Cole's websites or you could go to ucbdirect.com.au. Those books are available through ucbdirect.com.au. And uh, I know you'll be uh, part of the commemorations this week uh, for Anzac Day, Cole. And uh, certainly uh, with you and your family, ask God's richest blessing on you all as you continue too, to talk about these very important aspects of faith. And thank you so much for being with us today on 2020. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.